tell you, I feel God in a very different kind of way this morning. So different. I feel he's wanting to teach us something. Amen. And uh, I know he's been working on me for quite a while now. <laughs> I felt like, uh, you know, you've been in the classroom. We all can relate to school. We've all been to school. And, and we know what it's like to go for a whole semester and you cram, and you learn, and, and there's days when you're out for whatever reason, maybe you're sick, maybe you're fishing, you know, but you're out, and it seems like when you're out, that's the day that they really teach something that's going to be on the quiz, and then you got to go to somebody and say, what did, what did the teacher say that day, and, and then I tell you what I feel like, though, I feel like now, it's, it, the test is being handed out, <laughs> the test is being handed out, and I feel a lot of uh, anxiety, in the in the house of God, even on the way here this morning, even on the, I passed Sister Kathy at, at, on the side of the road, and I just stared at her as I went by because I thought something's wrong with my sister. <laughs> I don't know that, but I just I just thought what, what, something something. So I've been praying for Sister Kathy, you know, and because we don't always know what's going on, you know, sometimes we don't always supposed to share what's going on. Sometimes it's something God wants us to, what did Brett Pastor say? Walk out. <laughs> Sister Kathy said it last. Sometimes he wants us to walk it out. And it's not supposed to be shared. And one of the things that we do that gets points taken off is we share. We share. Whenever the Lord said, mm -mm, this is between me and you. You know, this is one-on-one, -on -one, but yet we go and we share. But I don't know. I just That's just the way I feel, Sister Kat. You know, and maybe it's just me. <laughs> and you know what? The teacher, whenever they hand out tests, it's not because they don't know the answers. It's because they're wanting you to see whether you know. And you know, a lot of times, you know, even in raising children, a lot of times you know what they can and can't do. But they think they can do more. <laughs> Sometimes we as Christians think we can do more than really what we're able to do. We think we can bear more than what we're spiritually able to carry. You know? And before we go and load ourselves down, God will say, well, just try carrying this right here. <laughs> let, let, if, okay. Can, all right. That's good. Now let's take and put another one on there. Now let's put three or four on there. Tell me when you can say, whoa. Uh, tell me when you can say, whoa. What it was the old thing? Calf line. <laughs> tell me when you, calf line. That's all I can do. Right? But I thought about uh, this morning, I thought about uh, we do not, as God's people, we don't always trust in the God that we've put our confidence in. Does that make sense? I mean, we do not trust in the God in whom we have believed. Because we've got to believe to be saved. And I'm going to use that word this morning, so y'all just bear with me. And if you want to call it something else, you just kind of translate it in your own mind, okay? But, but for this morning, we're just going to say saved. <laughs> that works. Sister Lisa, give me the green light. That works. We do, not we do not trust in the God in whom we have believed. We had to believe to be saved. We had to believe in order to come to Him. And we put our confidence in Him, and we will believe in the saving of our soul. Every one of us here this morning, if I were to give you the mic and say, are you saved? Are you saved? Or do you believe you're going to heaven when you die? Okay, that's what I'm talking about this morning, okay? Do you believe? <laughs> yes, yes. 
I have made that confession of faith. I have been baptized so the world will know that I have joined on the Lord's team. I am on His side. But yet the least little thing comes by and we forget in whom we have believed. And we start leaning to our own understanding. And Scripture was coming to me, coming up the road this morning. And I, I took my pen out and I said, oh, God, I don't even know if this is legal. You know? And I was trying to write. And I pulled over to get gas. And I wrote some Scripture down, pulling over to get gas this morning. That's what I was doing when I met you. Pulling over to get gas. And I, and, and I was praying. And, and I heard Brother Matter quote a Scripture. And it just hit me. And I'm like, oh, God, to write that one down too. You know? And, and what he said... As he said, it's Psalms 25. And he, everybody, ordered, I mean, this is the scripture for the day, okay? So you need to write it down if you've got a pen and paper. Because <laughs> this is the scripture for the day. Psalms 25, 4. Show me thy way, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Come on, somebody. Woo. Woo. Is that not delicious? Show me thy way, O Lord. And then don't only show it to me because sometimes, Brother Thomas, God will show us things that we can't walk in. I mean, I'm serious. Come on. I needed a U-Haul last week. And I saw it and said, I need that. For the thing I need to do, I need that type of vehicle. But then once I rented it, I started saying, Oh, God, now teach me how to drive that big old thing. Oh, God, before I get on the road, before I get loaded, teach me. So we can look at something and say, I need it. And you really need it in your life. But God has to teach us how to put it on. God has to teach us how to use it. So not only show it to me, oh, God, but teach me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Not only equip me. Come on, somebody touch your side like you've got a six-shooter right here for the devil. Not only give me, not only equip me, but my God, teach me. Come on, somebody. You need to raise your hands right now and say, Oh, God, there's some things I've been asking for. There's some things I've been needing. Hallelujah. There's some things coming up, and I know it. I feel it. I've been praying about it, and I've been asking your direction. But now I'm asking you, Oh, God, not only show me your ways, oh, but teach me. Teach me. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in Proverbs 3 and 5. Lean not to your own understanding. Whoo, somebody say, Oh God, that one gets me every time. <laughs> oh, that one gets I love you, Jesus, and you know I do. I come to church every Sunday, Lord, and you know I do. I sing your hymns all week long, and you know I do. I read your word, oh God, and you know I do. <laughs> But I just can't help but lean to my own understanding. <laughs> when I get in a battle, when I get in trouble, come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. We're going to go to Proverbs 3, and I'm going to read 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust Him, amen. What was the very word I said in the beginning? We do not trust in the God in whom we have believed. But Proverbs 3 and 5, the very first thing that Solomon says in all his wisdom is, Trust! Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of it. Not some of it, not part of it, not a piece of it, but all of it. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's hard. That's hard for me. That's hard. Because I've lived 45 years and I've learned some stuff in this life. 
I've lived about 30 years for the Lord, and I've learned some stuff in that life. That life that exists with this life. Amen. But do you know the two clash? Do you know the two clash? And sometimes some things you learned in this life don't really apply in the one spiritual life you're walking in. <laughs> oh, but we want to resort back to it, though. Because, you see, when I was growing up as a child, we had to fight to survive. Come on. Now, y'all might not have been taught that and raised that way. But I was raised with a lot of boy cousins. <laughs> and I was tossed from here to there, from here to there, here to there. And I had some wickedness growing up. Amen. And I had to defend myself. And so I was, I was taught to fight to survive. And sometimes whenever somebody, come on, and they can be just as spiritual as me, sometimes maybe even more, they just don't use a lot of discernment when they're talking to me, but when they stand up in my face, that old man wants to rise up, and I want to lean to my own ways. Oh, and I'll be a Christian for a few minutes. Oh, Jesus. You'll see me. You'll see me go. When I get quiet, that means I'm deadly. <laughs> as long as I'm talking, I'm still trying to convince you of something. Amen. But whenever I get quiet and just start looking at you, that means I done give up on you. All right? <laughs> I done give up. <laughs> and at this point, I, it's that whole fight or flee. What is it called? Fight or flight. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Lean not to your own understanding. And that's when, I'm, that's when I have done put money in the bank. And I beg Jesus, Lord, get me out of this situation before it ever arises. Lord, teach me how to turn around and walk away. Come on. Sometimes you can't talk with people. Christians, sometimes you can't reason with people. No. Even Jesus, in his own country, among his own family, he, I believe he demonstrated that he was the Son of God in front of them. I heard a preacher one time, I wish I could remember who, but I heard a preacher one time say, I don't believe there was one uh, uh, piece of furniture that ever come out of the carpenter's shop with a wobbly leg on the table. I don't believe there was one, one piece of furniture that ever came out of the carpenter's shop. Now, I'm not, I didn't say the temple. <laughs> I'm talking about the carpenter's shop. <laughs> I'm talking about when he was a boy. I'm talking about before he became Jesus, the, 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 the son of God. When he was just Mary's son. <laughs> when he was just Joseph's apprentice. Come on, somebody. I believe there was perfection even then. Oh, yeah. I believe he demonstrated some stuff. I believe we need to demonstrate some stuff. Come on, is that right? But sometimes, hallelujah, we lean to our own understanding. And you know what it does? It gets us in trouble. It gets us in trouble. There's a scripture. I've got them, I've got them kind of scribbled here and there because it was just coming to me. But James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is what? Unstable. All of his ways. So you mean if I'm a little unstable over here? Yeah. Because that's where the enemy gets us. That's where he gets us. Oh, I am solid right here. I am solid. I am steadfast. I am unmovable. But what about over here? Oh, well, I'm a little wobbly over here. Well, you know what? You can have a table, a dining table, that can have three good solid legs on it. But that old fourth leg, if you ever touch it, it buckles. And you know what happens to your good old supper? It goes in the floor. Come on, somebody. Hey, I believe this is the mind of God this morning. I really do. I believe this is the mind of God. Now let me say, oh, help me Jesus right here now. Let's get down to the church instead of just the individual. 
Oh, we want a good, strong church. Is that right? It's a Jesus church, this New Testament L.A.J. church. We want it to be a light to a lost and dying world. We want it to be a beacon set on a hill. Hallelujah. We don't want to uh, put a bushel over our little light, but we want it to shine. We want it to be a city. Amen. Is that right? We've had prophecies. We've had visions. We've had dreams. We've seen people coming into the church. We've seen them backed up down the highway. Is that right? We feel like we got four solid legs on this table. Because this is where they come to eat. Oh, this is where they come to eat. Come on now, somebody. If, if a surgeon... I've had surgery before, and when the surgeon puts you on the table, you don't want that thing to buckle. <laughs> is that right? They got you strapped down. When you go into surgery, brother, they strap you down. You ain't supposed to be moving. And that surgeon gets out his scalpel to make an incision. <laughs> Come on now. Would you want to be laying on a table? Even if the surgeon had a good, sturdy hand, would you want to be laying on an unsteady table? When he starts to lay that knife in you? When he starts to cut on you? No. No, no, no. What does the Bible say about a double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways. God's saying, I'm needing somebody who will trust me again. I need somebody who will believe in me again. I need somebody who will seek out the old paths. And when you find it, walk therein. Amen. What does the Bible say? It's health. It's peace. It's life. Glory to God. What we have nowadays is not peaceful. We're so upset. And where are we upset at? In our mind. In our mind, we're allowing the enemy to come in and we're steadfast right here and we feel like we're doing so good over here. But what about this over here? What about this over here where we're kind of a little wobbly? Amen. You know what? You know how you cure a wobbly leg? You get your screwdriver out. Up underneath there. Up underneath there, that thing you can't see. From the outside, that kitchen table looks so good. Or that coffee table or that living room table, it looks so pretty. Oh, my God. But up underneath there, there's some workings. Come on, somebody. There's some workings, ain't they, Philip? And you get down there, and you, sometimes, you can't see it standing up here. Standing up here, everything looks good. On the surface, everything looks great. Yeah, amen. You got to get down, and you got to look up. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you got to get down and you got to look up. And then you see those instruments, those brackets, those screws, those four ways. Amen. And you start moving and you'll see if that screw has worked itself out. Sometimes life just works you out. Sometimes life will just work you out. Come on. And you got to tighten up. Come on, somebody. Tighten up, amen. We got tight, we gotten loose in some areas. And we're starting to wobble. And we're starting to lose our faith, amen. Can I tell you, I had a situation with my son. I think it was three weeks ago. And, and I just went to God. Sister Kathy, can I be honest? I just went to God in prayer. And this is what I said to him. I feel like I'm losing confidence in you, Jesus. I still love you. I'll still serve you to the day I die. But I don't feel like I could say, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm wanting to lean to my own understanding here because I've prayed about so many things, 
so many things that was very important to me, and you kind of, for whatever reason, didn't show up like I thought you should, and now I feel myself really unstable. Now I feel myself a little wobbly, Brother Thomas, and I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be. And God help me if this situation came up just so I would get down and look up. <laughs> God help me if my boy had to go through something just so I could get down and look up. But God knows how to get you down. God knows how to make you look up. Oh, yes, he does. Did it hurt Doug? Absolutely not. He, he was just, and it aggravated me because on the way to Holly Springs, he was just, and I'm like, are you not even concerned? <laughs> He's like, no, that's what it is. What it is. And I'm like, no, you don't see kids. They don't understand that this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. And then here I am juggling, juggling, juggling. And he says, <laughs> and he kind of aggravated me, you know, because he was so calm and laid back. But getting back to the God thing, I was praying and I said, I really, I, I, I'm scared, Lord. I'm scared and I need you to help me. <laughs> I really need help. And even if this thing don't work out the way I'm wanting it to, I need a confidence that you're there. I need a confidence that you're there. And I was honest. I said, I'm going to serve you to the day I die, regardless. I'm going to love you to the day I die. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. None of that is going to affect what I do. But on the inside, God. <laughs> but on the inside. Underneath, where nobody can see. Between me and you, I'm just feeling a little wobbly. <laughs> Have y'all ever done that? I mean, maybe in a relationship. Have you ever just had to go back and say, Hey, babe, do you love me? <laughs> do you think I'm pretty? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Am, am I, is this witnessing to anybody this morning? In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall what? Direct your paths. Did, I, did an angel come down and give me a scroll with God's signature saying everything's going to be okay? Nope. Nope. All the way to Holly Spring, did I have a peace that came over me that surpassed all understanding? No. <laughs> no. No. But when I got there, and then when I got there, it was, you know, a long wait. <laughs> I'm serious. But God just began that morning to work things out for me. To work things out for me. To work. Th and I was just. <laughs> and, I, and normally God can't amaze me. I'm serious because I love him that much. And I trust him that much. And that's not saying anything about me. I've just been in so doggone much. <laughs> that he's had to bail me out of. And he always comes through. But here lately, well for the last couple of years, it seems like I've been leaning to my own understanding. And that's what the Lord showed me. He's like, acknowledge me in all thy ways. Just acknowledge me. Not acknowledge, say, say, God, I need you there. God, I need you. And things were just working out, working out. And my mouth just kept getting wider and wider. And I was like, oh, he heard me. <laughs> he heard me. And there was a resolve. I'm telling you that. God took that screwdriver and he tightened me up. Hallelujah. I mean, he just tightened me up. Now, has the devil come by? Why, sure he has. But you know what? It gives me a resolve that I could say, devil, you a liar. <laughs> I'm serious. Two weeks ago, whenever y'all saw me just bawling my eyes out, 
that was a resolve inside of me saying, God, I know you're working this out. Hallelujah. That was something going on inside of me. I wish I could turn that on. That was something going on inside of me. Hallelujah. The devil warring against my mind, but I had a steadfastness. I wasn't wobbly, Brother Thomas. I might have looked wobbly to y'all, but that was spiritual warfare. Amen. Sometimes we fight with a shout. Sometimes we fight with a tear. Come on, somebody. Is that right? Hallelujah. I love the Lord this morning. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now listen to verse 7. But be not wise in your own eyes. Be, you know that there is a wisdom of man. I think it's, um, it's in the New Testament. Paul talks about it. He said there's a wisdom from above, and there's a wisdom from beneath. That carnal man. And that carnal man will always, it's earthly. It's fleshly. And we're not of this world. We're of a kingdom that, that walks among this world and among this life, but we're not of this world and we're not of this life. Mm-mm. No, Susie is not this flesh, you see. When this flesh goes back to the dust, Susie's still going to be alive and well. Somebody wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Come on, hallelujah. My, my emotions, that's not who I am. That's just baggage I have to carry. Come on. And I have to fight that thing and keep it in check all the time. That's the reason God said lean not to your own wisdom, your own ways, your own understanding. Because sometimes our wisdom, sometimes our understanding is jaded with emotion. Oh, yeah, it is. Have you ever done something and then a day or two later think, why did I do that? I knew better than that. I knew better. I can't blame this on nobody but me. You know what? Our emotions got involved. Our carnal man got involved. We leaned to what we thought was best. Knowing all along that little voice. Sometimes God don't scream. What did Elijah say? It was a steal. Small voice. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But yet I heard, oh yeah, on the other side. <laughs> Susie was screaming, oh yeah, I can fix this. I can handle this. I can do this. And God was saying, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Or maybe we did do it. But then you know what? For two months we walk around, oh. Oh, mercy, my back. I shouldn't have picked that up. Oh, golly. We come to church and we twist and turn because we're miserable in our body. Why? Because we did something we weren't supposed to do. We knew better, but we thought we could handle it. Sister Pat, she's always saying, Susie, talk to us about Sully landing that plane. Tell us about that one more time. So let me give, so let me give you an analogy. <laughs> so let me give you a plane analogy. Big old 747, it's thousands of feet up in the air, and it's flying, and it gets close to the airport. But a storm comes in. A storm comes in. Now, the pilot didn't bring that storm in. The plane didn't bring that storm in. The passengers didn't bring that storm in. But yet now, the the sky is so cloudy, you can't even see. You can't see nothing. You can't see the runway. You You can't see nothing. It's so cloudy. But the instrument panel says, we're close to landing. Now, you can kick that plane on autopilot, and it'll fly itself, but it won't land itself. It needs a person. Come on, somebody. 
I'm going to tell you something. We can kick this on autopilot and God can direct our paths. But he needs a person to land this plane. Come on, this kingdom that we're talking about. He needs a person. He don't need an angel. He don't need a spirit. He needs us. But in order for us to land that plane safely, we've got to be in touch with the control tower because there's a storm and we can't see. Oh, God, so what does he do? When he starts getting close, he gets on the radio and he starts radioing control tower. And he starts saying, am I clear for a landing? Am I because you know why? He can't trust what he sees because it's cloudy. Sometimes we get in storms in our life, and even though we know how to fly that plane, even though we know how to take off, and even though we know how to land, we can't trust what we see. That's the reason the Bible says don't walk by sight. (laughs) Amen. Because our sight is limited, but God's sight is unlimited. He can see what's in the storm. He can see what's out there. Amen. He can give us clearance, or he can say fly around. They something, they something. Maybe there's turbulence low to the ground, and it's dangerous. Come on, is that right? I'm talking to a bunch of preachers this morning. Have you ever had a sermon planned, and you felt real good about it all week long when you were studying? I know Brother Thomas has. He's giving me that witness right now. And then when you get to church, God says, you can't do it. Can't do it. There's somebody there this morning. It would be dangerous for them. Come on, they're young in the Lord. They wouldn't understand. There's somebody there this morning. You've, you've had this healing sermon. You know, and you've really, you've studied the healing scriptures. But God said, there's a soul there this morning that needs salvation. Or let's take you and do it the other way around. Maybe there's somebody there that needs, uh, that, that you just had this burning, burning word going on in you. And God said, there's somebody there that's lost. And they, they wouldn't understand that hard scripture. Come on now. Lean not to your own understanding. And you can be doing everything right. But control tower says, "Uh uh-uh, circle around. Take a few more minutes while somebody's testifying and look up this scripture. You know, that's what I, I, this, I had prayed and I had prayed and, and I've been in revival all week and I've heard all kind of good word that I could have brought this morning. But on the way up here, God started talking to me about Proverbs. And then when I got down and I was praying, I was praying, 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 and I was feeling good about prayer. And all of a sudden I heard Brother Matter, show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. My God, and something began to stir inside of me. And I said, oh, God, i got to find that. I want to know where that's at. I wanna, I've read it. I've quoted it. But I want to know. Somebody say, I want to know. i got to know. Luke 21, 19. In your patience possess ye your soul. God wants us to have patience this morning. And trust Him. Not to lean to our own understanding and go and do things. Amen. That just exhausts our flesh and wears our spirit man out. You know, you can get weak in your spirit by doing things in your flesh. Come on, somebody. You can get weak in your spirit by simply doing too much in your flesh. Trying to fix things. When God said, well, go ahead and fix that and I'll just cause something else to tear up because you ain't learned nothing yet. Go ahead and fix that too. There's going to be something else. And there's going to be something else and something else and something else until you cry out on me. Because this ain't about whether you can or not. It's whether you'll trust me with it. Woo! Hey! This is not about whether you can fix it or not. This is whether you can trust me with it. Oh! Well, Susie, don't God want us to use our 
carnal mind? Don't he want us to use our common sense? That's what I like, and that's the one I use on God all the time. I pull that card out all the time. Well, God, you give me this brain. Let me use it. Because <laughs> I'm a control freak. Do y'all get that from me? <laughs> I am a control freak. I, I like being in charge. I can't trust you with a whole lot of stuff. Not without me being just kind of looking every now and then. <laughs> and it just comes along with a management position. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really does. I, working, working, working. <laughs> and, but I wrote down... God expects us to use our brains, but only under His supervision. That's what He told me. He said, yes, I do expect you to use your brain and use your common sense, but only under my guidance and my supervision. Can I use this analogy? At work, I'm a loan officer, but my loaning limit is set. <laughs> I can only loan you $1,500. So if you come in wanting 3000 then I can't do it on my own. I can take your application. I can run your credit. I can do everything I need to do. I can look at it and say, okay, Kevin, you qualify for $3,000. But I can't give it to you. <laughs> oh, we don't like saying that. We do not like saying that. I can't. I can't. No, we don't. It's pride. And it's in the church. And we eat up with it. We eat up with it. Mm-hmm. I remember going down to uh, Sister, uh, it was Angela Abraham and Sheila Austin. I can't remember which church I was at, but I ministered, and then uh, people came up. They just, I made an altar call, <laughs> you know. I, I ministered, and then I made an altar call, and I said, let's fill these altars up, and let's pray, let's reach out to God. And then people came up and just started doing this. And I'm like, hmm, that ain't an altar call. Mm-mm, that ain't an altar call. <laughs> I don't deny that they were needed help, so I told Angela and Sheila and whoever I was there, I'm like, come on, you guys, pray for them. That's, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> oh, y'all looking at me funny. Y'all, you know, I'm being honest with you. That was above what I was qualified to do right then. Come on. And so you know what I do? I go for backup. It does not embarrass me. doesn't humiliate me. It doesn't offend me. If I'm up here ministering, Come on, and Kevin's sitting there with a toothache, and you see him wrestling, and it just doesn't catch my attention for any one of you to come over here and lay hands on him and pray for him. That does not, uh, uh, that does not uh, uh, offend me. That does not break my heart. Come on. I had rather, amen. I could lay hands on him all day long, and if I'm not anointed for it, if I haven't been given the clearance... Then he's still going to go home sick. Come on, this is a body ministry. Is it okay? And I remember telling them, I'm like, they come up to me and they're like, you need to, you know, and, I, and, I, I, and I'm like, you know what? I just got to be honest with you. That didn't come in my bag of tricks right now. That did not come. I shouldn't say bag of tricks. That didn't come in my goodie bag. Not yet. I've not walked in that. God hadn't gave me that. Now, he, he, has he ever used me to pray for people? Why, sure he has. But teaching is my forte. And so anything else has to come on me. It has to come on me. It's not just something, brother, matter, my God, he could walk out here right now, take this microphone, and lay hands on every one of y'all and prophesy to every one of y'all. And if you're sick, pray healing on every one of y'all. Can I do that? No. No. Not unless it just comes on me. <laughs> Woo! 
But we don't want to be honest in the church. You know why? Because I have to look as big and spiritual as Brother Thomas and Sister Kat. I have to look just as anointed as this sister and this sister. Come on, let's just get down to business with God and abide in our calling and lean not to our own understanding. Do you realize if I tried doing something that I wouldn't qualified for or that God had not anointed me for, that's my own understanding and I have seen people hurt, I have seen people offended, I have seen people leave the church and never come back. And then you try to witness to them or beg them to come to a service and they won't do it and they'll say, Because. Because. Because, I like what Brother Metters said. I think it was last Sunday. He went to a service one time, and at the end of the service, 15 people got up and started laying hands on everybody else. You know why? It was a, it was a contest for them. Now, I will call for backup. I will call for backup. I appreciate backup. But sometimes a lot of that stuff is just flesh. It's a contest. I have to show everybody that I'm spiritual. I have to show everybody that I'm anointed. I have to show everybody I got a call. Do you know how you show me that? Live it! Do you know how you prove to me you're spiritual? Live it! Do you know how you prove to me you're anointed? Live it! Because I have seen people that was just as mean as a snake. Well, yes, and full of the devil. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. <laughs> get up, and it's, it, 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 it bewilders me. But they can get up and they have words. I mean, just beautiful, eloquent words. It just seems like it rolls out of their mouth. Come on. I mean, sometimes you try to front the beginning of the service, cold turkey, and you kind of stumble over yourself till you get going, till the Lord starts moving. I've seen people just get up knowing good and well. <laughs> Come on, we all live in the same community. We know. We know. Some things you hear, some things you see. Come on. <laughs> but God said for us not to lean to our own understanding. We're not supposed to question why somebody else is doing whatever else. We're supposed to live it. We're supposed to walk right. And there has been things, Sister Catherine, Kathy, that has been told on me, hallelujah, that has tried to destroy me, that's tried to run me down. But you know what I did? I had to live it long enough in front of somebody who heard a bunch of junk or a bunch of lies to pan out. You don't just give up because a tale's told on you. If you give up because a tale was told on you, probably every one of us would have been a backslid. Come on. You keep doing what you know is right and you don't lean to your own understanding. You know some of the worst mistakes we can make is trying to fix things in our own self. <laughs> Do you know how hard it was? I don't even know how far, how, how far I can legally go with this, but there was some things that come up between me and my husband <laughs> and, and, and God told me not to open my mouth, not to say a word about it. I... I Mm -hmm. Yeah, and things got told. Oh Lord, I mean, and I wanted to. I wanted to tell my son so bad. <laughs> Have you ever been like that? You wanted to tell, and God would say, "That's disobedience." You go ahead, but you'll be walking in disobedience. And I'm like, well, but he looks like a prince. <laughs> you know? And God said, hold your peace and let me fight your battles. That was some of the hardest stuff I ever tried to do. Now, it may be easy for guys. They don't, they don't, I don't think guys talk as much as us girls. They just don't. Seriously, they don't. 
try to have a conversation with your husband. You think they talk a whole lot. <laughs> they don't talk a whole lot. We, we want to talk. We want to talk things through. We want to talk things out. We want to tell our side. We want you to understand us, understand where we're coming from. And God says, hold your peace. Lean not to your own understanding. Walk it out. <laughs> oh, you want to know about God? You want to understand Him? He's presented to us in the masculine. It's twice as hard for us girls. It's twice as hard for us girls. <laughs> but you still want to hold a microphone and carry a Bible and call yourself something? You're going to have to learn something. And a lot of it isn't how to talk. It's how to be quiet. Oh, a lot of it isn't how to fix problems. It's how to stay out of problems. Come on. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I love it this morning. Because we are limited in our vision. And our flesh is contaminated by the fall. We're limited in our, in our vision. We can't see what God sees. I can only see what God tells me about you. That's called discernment. That's not called my intellect. That's discernment. When I can feel a broken heart, when I can feel a broken spirit, when I can feel you lost and undone, that's not my vision, that's God's. Come on, somebody. That's God's vision. We are limited in our vision, but God is unlimited. He can see through the storm. Somebody wave your hand and say, I'm going to trust Him despite myself. I'm going to trust Him despite myself because I know for a fact He's a God that can see through the storm. Hallelujah. He has night vision. Glory to God. He knows what's out there. He knows where my pitfalls are. He knows where the stumbling blocks is. And I am going to trust in the God in whom I have believed. I will put my confidence in Him again. I will dare to trust Him one more time. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I will. And I am contaminated by the fall. I have not received my spiritual body yet. I'm working for a kingdom. I'm waiting for an anointing. But right now, every one of us is contaminated. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, and it may be dormant right now. <laughs> That's the way the flesh is. It may be dormant right now. Y'all know what that word dormant is? Asleep. <laughs> it may be asleep right now. But just get yourself in a storm or in a mess and see if that old flesh won't rise up and tell you you need to do this and you need to do that. Well, sometimes God will give you a direct word on something, a direct instruction on something, and before you know it, the enemy or your flesh, your carnal mind is saying, well, I would do it this way, or I would do it that way, or I would tweak it just a little bit to the left, or tweak it just a little bit to the right. But can I tell you one of the most powerful things I saw Brother Matter do in this church is stand right here and turn his feet just like this right here. I'll never forget it, Pastor, because that's all it takes to miss the mark. That's all it takes to disobey God. That's all it takes to separate yourself from God's ear. Woo! What? Yes, from God's ear. What does the Bible say? Your iniquities have separated you. Oh, Lord, what is iniquity? It's disobedience. It's that thing we continue to keep doing. Oh, but I only did it when you've done it all your life. We've disobeyed God all our life. We get it right and we slip back. We get it right and we slip back. Come on, but God's saying, I need somebody who'll trust in me again. I need somebody who'll trust. Therefore, your decision-making will always be questionable if it's not governed by the Spirit of God. And you know how you can tell if you're governed by the Spirit of God? Wait. The flesh will say, do it right now. 
Do it right now. Do it right now while I've got you convinced. Do it right now while you're looking at the apple, looking at the fruit. Do it right now while it looks shiny in your eyes. Do it right now while you're wondering in your mind and questioning the will of God. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. But I'll tell you something about the mind and the will of God. He's patient. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Amen. And if God said wait, we need to wait. We've got to learn to trust in this God in whom we have believed. One more time. Come on. One more time. We've got to put our confidence in Him. Hallelujah. To lead us and to guide us. I'm leaving you with this scripture before pastor comes on. Show me thy way, O Lord. Somebody raise your hands with me right now. I want us to close our eyes. And I want you to pray. Show me. Show me. Not my husband, not my wife, not my brother, not my sister. But me, O God. It's me that's standing in the need of prayer. Show me. Thy way, O Lord. And now, from the heart, and teach me thy paths. Luke twenty-one nineteen. In your patience, you possess your soul. You know what the soul man is? Your mind, your will, your emotions. In your patience, you reign that soul man in. In your patience, you possess. If you possess something, you own it. Come on, somebody. You own it. God expects that of us. We're not supposed to ask Him to own our souls. He owns our spirit. We're supposed to possess, own our soul, man, so that it don't get out and run all over the place and do things and distrust and disobey. And how do you do it? In just blabbing and grabbing and doing and being in patience. Wait on God. Wait on God. There's situations in every one of our lives this very morning that you're in turmoil over. There's situations, there's questionable things that we're praying and asking God, help me, O Lord, direct me, O God. He says, wait on me. Wait on me. Oh, he has the answer right now, but you're not able to hear it. You are not able to hear it. So you know what you have to do? Something hard, Brother Kevin. Wait. Something hard, Sister Pat. Wait. Oh, but it's looking like it's getting out of control. Wait. <laughs> is anything too big for God? Is anything too... Oh, the devil will say, look at that wave. See, it was a little bitty thing way out there. Now it's getting closer and it's getting bigger. You better do something. Oh, my God, it's real close. You better do something now. You better do something now. God says, wait, 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 wait. Pastor Matter, you was driving down the road one day. A tornado was coming. <laughs> oh, you better seek shelter. God, oh, what am I supposed to do? Your carnal mind starts screaming. You got lives in, in tow here. There, you got your family with you. You better get under a bridge. You better hunt for a, a house. You better look for a storm pit. Sky's getting greener, getting green. God says, wait. wait. Oh, my God, it's right on us. It's right on us. It's right on us. Wait. And then right at the right moment, God says, speak to the wind. And what did it do? I heard you say this. He said, he said I saw was it wings you saw the angel of the angel of the lord yes right there stood right there right there on the hood of that car right there <laughs> just like a big old dozer it has one of them blades not like this but like this it just parts the way 
parts the way. God said, I want to show myself mighty to you again. I want to show myself strong to you again. I want to show myself faithful to you again. And yes, the storm's going to brew. And yeah, the storm's going to get dark. Amen. But wait, 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 wait until God says, speak the word. Hallelujah. And then the angel of God stand comes down and he fights for us. Hallelujah. Or he strengthens us to fight. Amen. But you cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. Your own ways is suicide. Your own thoughts is suicide. It's spiritual death. Amen. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. Stop trying to apply it in this kingdom. It don't work. And don't mix it. We'll get a word from God. We'll come and we'll come on Sunday morning and get equipped. And we lose it on Monday because we mix it with the carnal mind. And the Bible clearly says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All his ways. It's mixture. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We negate on Monday what we gain on Sunday because we go out and we try to apply it with a carnal mind. My God, this morning, God's wanting us to suit up in this kingdom, amen, and wear that armor, hallelujah, bravely and faithfully in service. Glory to God. Not in service here, in service out there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Show me thy ways, O God. Show me thy ways. Show me your magnificent ways. When I walk outside this church today, I want new eyes, God. I want to see your kingdom. I don't want to see the pollution of this world. I don't want to see the filth of this world. I want to see your kingdom the way it was supposed to be. Amen. And then, God, teach my feet to walk in thy ways. Hallelujah. Teach my feet to walk in your paths, in your precepts. Teach my soul to be patient and to wait. Help me, O oh God, to govern this sinful, sinful flesh. Hallelujah. Govern it. We have authority over this. You can't have authority over a devil until you can have authority over this. Come on, somebody. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. Hallelujah. And sometimes it ain't pretty. Sometimes it don't look Christian. I want to tell you, there was one time I got up, I wrestled all day. I wrestled half the night. I was crying. I was miserable. And I just got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and went down to the prayer meeting building all by myself, opened that door, and I laid there at the altar until the altar was wet. They don't have, it's not padded like this. It's kind of wood. And, and, and it, the altar was wet, and I just felt I was tormented. I remember I got down, and I kind of rolled on the floor just like this. And, and I guess I wrestled for two or three hours. The sun was coming up whenever Jesus himself <laughs> I'm telling you Jesus himself stepped in that church and I felt his footsteps and I looked up and it was just like he sat down on the other side of the altar me on this side and him on this side and I raised up and it was like he was in a fog and I'll never forget what he said he said you're positioned wrong he said you're up on the bow of the boat and the winds and the waves are beating on you the hell is stinging you and you're confused he said and all the while I'm on this vessel with you but I'm down in the bottom where nothing ain't touching me. The storm ain't affecting me and I'm fast asleep. Amen. Glory to God. We've got to get a, our mind back on the Lord. Hallelujah. We've got to condition this sinful flesh and get it a, 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 learn to be patient. Learn to be patient. Learn how to rein it in. Amen. And quit looking at the things. Our sight is limited. We cannot see through the storm. But He can. He can. Come on somebody. He can. Hallelujah. Come on, Pastor Matter. Brother Thomas, come on and say a word. Brother Matter, won't you say a word?
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm back here, just Sister Susie. I appreciate you so much this morning. Was, my ink pen couldn't go fast enough. Are you certainly ministering to me this morning? <clears throat> the things that I shared with Pastor this morning. We were talking before church about how some things in, in our lives that just took place recently and things we're going through. And I was telling Pastor, he, he spoke a word to me when God spoke to me about. Uh, stepping down as pastor of the church and <clears throat> he kind of spoke a word to me in my spirit about being still and I was sharing with him this morning which I just I share things with him and I said when that was first spoke to me I thought well, I got this that'll be easy being still will be easy <laughs> boy was I ever wrong and I say we work a lot of times in our own knowledge and our own understanding Amen. Because we lean to our own understanding, and sometimes our understanding is stuff we've been taught that is wrong. Amen. And we look to those things, and we lean on that because it feels good. Hey, you know, and it's like, well, I've done this. It's worked for me before. And we lean to that, and we don't lean to what God is pulling us to, to His understanding and His ways you are certainly ministering to me this morning, Sister Susie, this whole time. You are ministering to me. And when you begin to speak about waiting, that stillness is waiting. Amen. When he says, wait upon the Lord, amen, he will teach us if we will wait. We, are, we have this, and I'm, this is me, amen, I'm preaching to me this morning. We have this microwave mentality. We want it now. We want it right now. We want it. We don't want to wait. We want it now. It's the same way we go out to eat. We want to go through the drive-thru. We want it now. We don't want to go in. We don't want to wait. When God gives something to us, we want the full revelation of it now. We don't want to study it out. We don't want to search for it. We want it now. We were talking about this with Pastor this morning. We were like, and he said, you know, it scares me sometimes, you know, if he don't have the revelation because I look to him. Amen. He's my pastor. Amen. He's my leader. And he started to tell me about he's searching things out. And I'm like, that scares me. Because you're supposed to have the answers for me. And but it makes me understand that he's human too. Amen. And he not only teaches us, but he leads by example. Amen. So I see him waiting and searching. And I'm like, you know, if he got this revelation that way. I will get this revelation. Amen. It's not going to be my understanding or my way. You are certainly ministering to me, Sister Susie. I thank you so much this morning for that. You're such an encouragement to me. Amen. And my family, I thank you this morning. Would you stand this morning as we make Pastor welcome this morning? I certainly love being here this morning. I appreciate y'all having us. But please, please make our Pastor welcome this morning. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you can feel that presence of the Lord? There's just a, a hovering. Just a hovering. Felt him so strong in prayer. And I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but I got to know him. Not the God of this church world, not the God of religion. I gotta know the God of that Bible. Gotta know Him. Gotta find Him. And once I find Him, I gotta possess Him. Or He's gotta possess me. 
I've not been raised in doctrine. You've been around doctrine. Don't have it in me. So many times God will start telling me something and I'll start talking to her about him. She said, well, you can't say that. I said, I can't. She said, no. She said, people ain't been taught that way. She said, you got to mellow it back a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times, mellow ain't my vocabulary. Because I'm like a big chipper. Put a six-inch tree in that chipper, and it's going to come out sawdust. So when I get hit with church doctrine and traditions of men, I chew it up, and it comes out sawdust. <laughs> Because I ain't got no use for it. it. It binds people. It binds people. And the power of God has been taken away from the church. It so breaks my heart that God's people are so powerless. But yet they think they got so much. There's a deception that's taken over the church. But you mark my words. God fixed to reveal himself in his power. He fixed to manifest himself. Man's done everything he can do. But he still can't bring forth the manifestation of God. He's tried it every way. The Lord spoke to me in prayer this morning, or not this morning, but the other morning. I was praying, and I told her, I said, Two seeds come out of Abraham. And I said, the Ishmael church is doing good. <laughs> but that ain't the promise. There's a promise seed. There's a chosen seed of God. Raise your hands. Right now, there's a, a newness of the Spirit of God and a refreshing and a healing. Oh! <laughs> My God, I see it like a steel band on your mind. It's loose. I see shackles falling off of you. And I see the healing virtue of the Christ flowing. I feel it like a wave of the Christ. It's like a wave of glory just overshadows you right now and just settles up my hostel. Oh, you might feel a little bit of it go by her, Sister Susie. I feel the It's done in Jesus' name. You're healed. And there's a refreshing in your mind. There's a refreshing in your physical man. And there's a newness in your spiritual man happens right there. Hallelujah. The cry of my heart is, God, teach me thy ways. You know, David cried out and he said, Lord, teach me thy ways. Write thy laws and thy precepts upon the tables of my heart and quicken thy word. That word quicken means make it alive. Make thy word alive unto me, O God. All David had was the prophets. They'd been written down before he came. He didn't have a lot of word. My God, we got 66 books of the Bible. 
And we still can't get a hold of what it takes to walk with God. For so I don't know what it is. Whether we're just too selfish, too self-centered, too involved in self. But God made a promise. He said, I'll make a covenant with my people in the last days. That I will put my word in their minds and in their hearts. Is that what it says? Yes. He said, I'll make a covenant with my people in the last days that I will write my word in their hearts and in their minds. You won't have to say to your neighbor, let us serve the Lord. Because that word's going to be written. It's going to be written in our spirit, man. It's going to be written up here because we will put on the mind of Christ. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in you. Not this carnal mind that we walk in. And I don't care how you cut it. We're still carnally minded. And it brings death. Brings death. I don't want death. I want life. Romans 8 says for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want life and I want peace. Yes. I want life and peace. I want joy. Hallelujah. My fight is not to stay saved. My fight is to possess the kingdom and get this kingdom preached throughout this world. That's my fight. When Paul talked about fighting and wrestling and warring, he wasn't talking about to stay saved. The church has taught people. You got to fight to stay saved. You got to fight to keep your relationship. You don't have to fight. There's a finished work of the cross. It was done. On Calvary, it was done. I don't have to fight nothing to stay saved. My fight is to possess what God's promised me and lay hold of the promises of God. That's my fight because that's where Satan opposes. You hear me? That's where Satan will fight you is to keep you from entering in. I'm going to tell you something. There's a place coming in God. It's like he's talking about that boat. Jesus was at rest. <laughs> he's down in that bottom of that boat at rest. We get in that storm and we'll stand up on the bow of the boat. Let the devil beat the daylights out of us. Instead of just resting in Jesus. Lord's going to teach us how to rest. Lord's going to teach us how to rest. My God, I feel his presence in this place. I feel such a... Mm, oh, my God, there's a, such a realness of God overshadowing this place today. I really don't know which way to go. I'm just going to have to walk this out by the Spirit of God and let God lead me as to where to go and what to do. Because the Lord started dealing with me. Let's just go ahead and pray. And then I'll... In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Master, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking unto the church. Waken the hearts of your people. Lord, you told us in your word that you had given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might become a partaker 
of the divine nature. I want to be made a partaker of the divine nature. You've promised it to us, Lord. Now let our eyes see, let our ears hear, and let our hearts understand how to be made partakers of this divine nature that we can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. My God, help us today. God, you're working something. You're working something, Master. I feel it. I feel like a churning in the depths of my spirit. Let thy grace and thy mercy overshadow us today. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. Y'all go ahead and be seated. My God, I feel the Lord today. And I don't know what God's doing. I don't know where God's taking us. I mean in the fullness of this thing. I know what God showed me. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know He's fixing to do it. I think every one of y'all was in the service when God spoke to me and told me He fixed to put LJ and Carter K. Georgia on the map. I mean, people are everywhere. I, I believe the Lord said people all over the world going to know where this little place is. And you know why? There's going to be an act of God right here. There's going to be an act of God. It's going to be greater than the day of Pentecost and greater than the book of Acts. You say, you, I believe that. Why? Because the Word says it. The Word says the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. Is that not what it says? Is that not what the Word says? And see, if all we're going to get is what the early church had, which I'd love to see, but that ain't the end of the matter. God speaks in His Word about the end of the matter. <laughs> Did y'all know that? God speaks about the end of the matter. The fulfillment. And everywhere you read the Scripture... Read what was spoken in the Old Testament and to get in the New. So many places in the New. And it says that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by this prophet, by that prophet. So somewhere what's been spoken has to be fulfilled. I ain't looking for another generation to fulfill this, Brother Thomas. This is mine. This kingdom is mine. It's my inheritance. It belongs to me. And I'm going to do my very best to possess what God's told me I could have. Why? He said it. I believe it. And I'll remind him of it. See, I'm one that reminds God of his promises. I'll tell him. When he, if he tells me something, it gets stored right up here. And I'll say, God, you remember what you told me? Now. <laughs> Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Amen. Reveal yourself. I don't know exactly how I'm going to be able to bring this out today. And some of you may think that what I'm fixing to minister on is might not be what we need. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people 
fixed to get caught in the wrath of God. And they ain't been warned and they ain't been taught. And what they've been taught is they're fixing to leave here. And they ain't going nowhere. You can believe that. You're fixing to get caught out of this. Y'all listen to what I'm fixing to tell you by the Scripture. If I can't prove it by the Scripture, don't pay me no mind. But see, I don't care what people have been taught. Me and my wife had this discussion 10 years ago. <laughs> or seven, eight, six, seven years ago. We've had it several times. But I've preached things that's made preachers so mad at me. A lot of them got together and said, Susie, it's going to vote me out of the body of Christ. I said, well, how about that? Send me word, Sister Pat, that's going to have a meeting. And that's going to vote me out of the body of Christ. I sent them word back, knock yourself out. Let me know how that works for you. You didn't call me. You didn't anoint me. You ain't got no control over what God brings forth in my life. You may shut some doors on me. Let me tell you something. I don't need your church. I don't. I need people hungry for God. Because I'm going to tell you something. I can stand on a street corner and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did it for 22 years. I can preach the gospel anywhere. And God will bring results. You don't know of the hundreds of people that would drive. I'm talking about two and three hundred miles being one of my tent meetings. That God had touched and changed their life or he'll deliver them in a meeting somewhere. And they'd find out. I was in a hundred, hundred and fifty miles up Siskiyot. They'd get in the car and drive. They wanted to be under that word. Right there. My wife did too when I first met her. My mother-in-law. Y'all hear me? When I met Sister Susie in 1999, Ella J., she come under the tent. We went from Ella J., Georgia to Sylvania, Alabama. Almost three hours, wasn't it? She's in that meeting almost every night. Brought her kids and her husband. I'm talking about school days. Probably get home, what, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning because of the hour's time difference. And under the tents, we didn't get out for 10, 10.30, sometime 11 o'clock. Then you turn around and drive three hours with an hour's time difference. Get home 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Your kids got to get up and go to school. And then you be there the next night. <laughs> you know why she's hungry. God brought her deliverance in her life and let her know there was something she'd been searching for. There are people out there searching. There are people out there hungry. There are people out there looking. I had a dream years ago that we was standing outside the Fort Payne Church. There was me, and I don't. I think my wife might have been there, and maybe one or two of the church folks. But what it was, there some people had come up to look at something that we had for sale. And while we were standing there talking, the Spirit of the Lord fell on me, and I began to prophesy the Word of the Lord. When I come out from under that spirit of prophecy, then people was weeping. Had their hands thrown up in the air, magnifying God. And looking at one another and said, my God, this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been looking for. People are looking for something real in God. Because religion's failed them. Religion has failed people. There's people in this church last week. Religion's failed them. 
Religion's failed them. And they're looking for the reality of God. Religion will let you down. Y'all hear me? Religion will let you down. But God won't let you down. God will reveal himself to you. And as the Lord began to talk to my spirit, he said, Isaac and Ishmael both came out of Abraham's loins. He said, but one came by the flesh. The other came by promise. The other came by promise. So you can come out of the right seed. <laughs> you can come out of the right seed. But it depends on whether you take hold of flesh or whether you take hold of the promise of God. Well, there are a lot of people out there. They've been birthed by the right thing. If that's the way you want to put it. But they follow after flesh. I don't want to follow after flesh. And y'all can think what you want to, but with the gifts and the anointing and the words God put in me, I could go join any denominational church. And I could, I could become a great evangelist, great pastor, great oil. I, I could do anything with the word and the anointing God's put in me. I could do it. But I ain't after success. I ain't after fame. I ain't after fortune. I ain't after money. I'm after God. I'm after God. Y'all hear me? I'm after God. There ain't very many people that go overseas and preach to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people and then come back and preach to a handful. I don't care. Lord told me a long time ago, you don't preach to crowds, you preach to people. Whether it's one-on-one, whether it's ten, whether it's a hundred and one, thousand and one, ten thousand and one, don't matter. You preach to people. I ain't in it for crowds. I ain't in it for money. I ain't in it for fame. If I was, I could do things different. I could tone this word back and draw a whole lot more people. But if I do, God's people ain't going to be ready. Because I'm telling you, there's something fixing to hit this earth. And the people have been taught, and I'm fixing to break the Scripture down to you as the Lord give it to me. And if y'all will hear me out, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Because people, persecution fixing to hit. People going to have to have something. People going to have to have something. My God, we can't even hardly take somebody lying on us. We can't. We can't hardly take somebody casting our name out as evil. What we're going to do when real persecution? You might, you better get your confidence out of this government. The Lord told me years ago, and I spoke in the Fort, Lord told me our politicians sold us down the river years ago, didn't he? I spoke at the Fort Payne Church probably five, six, seven years ago. I don't, the Lord told me our politicians sold us out. They weren't interested in nothing but money and power. They didn't care about the will of the people. They didn't care nothing about the people. They sold us out. And that's exactly what's happened. They've sold us out. And now this whole nation is turned against Christianity. It's turned against righteousness. It's turned against any kind of morality. You just look at all this mess going on with all this transgender stuff. It ain't nothing but a spirit. It's all it is. Trying to take this nation down. 
and you wonder why in the Old Testament God said this spirit shows itself, you take them out and put them to death. Don't you let that spirit multiply. Don't you let that spirit get a hold of people. You take them out and put them to death. He said about the adulterers. He said about the fornicators. He said about witchcraft. And religion now embraces everything. Everything. I heard some man talking the other day, and he was talking about gay Christians. I said, ain't no such thing. That's perverted. That's out of the church. That's the church we're wanting to. Yeah, Brother Matter, Jesus loved everybody. Yeah, but everybody didn't love him. <laughs> he did love everybody. He didn't love their sin. He loved their souls. See, this spirit today wants you to love their sin. They won't push their sin on you. They won't push their sin on you. This mess don't have to be going on. Ninety percent of the stores now got a family restroom. Let them go in the family restroom. Lock the door behind them. They don't have to go in men and women's restroom. It's wrong. And there are going to be repercussions to all this stuff. But what it is, it's a spirit that they're trying to force people to accept them as normal. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Y'all hear me? It's wrong. And somebody better cry out against it. I told people before paying, I said, y'all might be having to come up with my bail. I said, because I get out in these tent revivals, and I said, this spirit hits me, I'm going to cry out against that spirit. I don't care. You hear me? I don't care. It's going to bring persecution. All these civil rights laws they passed, they now call hate crimes, going to get Christians put in jail for standing for righteousness. You cry out against them, they're going to put you in jail for a hate crime. You think I'm going to back down? Ain't no way. That is a perverted, unclean spirit. And the sad part about this, it's in the church. It's permeating the church. And I was trying to, I can't remember, we was listening to uh, the news yesterday. We was, went out somewhere and had the news on. And one organization, I can't remember what it was, whether it's Methodist or, or what it was, said they... I was trying to remember what they said. Said they won't. They'll let their priests be in a gay relationship, but they won't ordain them. I thought, now how stupid is that? The ministers be in a gay relationship, but yet they won't ordain them. Or they'd ordain them. I can't remember how it was. Maybe, maybe my wife can remember. I said, that's about as crazy as anything I've ever heard. I said, if you're going to change the Word of God to fit your sin, why even bother to go to church and read the Bible? People have changed the Word of God now to fit their sin and their lifestyle. Don't care what the Word says. For years now, these councils, these churches have got together, and I've read it in different papers, and they said that almost every time they get together to have a council meeting, Sister Susie, of these big churches, you know what would come up? Premarital sex. They wanted the church to vote on whether it was right or wrong to have premarital sex. Church ain't got no business voting on that. I know what the Word says. It's what the Word says. It's wrong. Fornication. It's wrong. Church don't need to vote on it. Changing the Word of God to suit you sin. It's wrong. 
People better take a stand. Because I'm going to tell you something. Devil ain't afraid of these big churches. Devil's afraid of this. <laughs> Devil's afraid of this. He's afraid of it. What was it we heard yesterday, Lisa, about that? Uh, that either let them be ordained gay priests, but they couldn't be in a gay relationship, or they could be in a gay relationship, and they couldn't be ordained priests. I said, Okay, whatever. It was mixed up, messed up, whatever it was. And you mark my words, almost every denomination now is fixing to sanction this LBGT thing. You know why they're afraid of them? Afraid of the lawsuits, afraid of the repercussions, afraid of the harassment, afraid of the persecution. Afraid of it. I'm going to tell you something. We got our bylaws set in our organization. They can't use our churches. And they ain't nothing they can do if we turn a gay marriage down. It's already in our bylaws. We've got our bylaws written. We've got our church constitution. Somebody walks up to this church, says, Pat, wants to have a gay marriage here. If this thing ain't solid on the word of God like we got it set up, you either let them or you can go to jail. Now, y'all don't think, think I know exactly what I'm talking about. We got it set, don't we, Sister Kathy? Yes, we, we fixed it where they can't do that. They can't do that. Because they'll try. They'll try. And they'll keep trying. You know why? They want you to sanction their perversion. They want you to tell them it's okay for them to live perverted and unclean. Wrath of God's fixing to turn loose on this nation. Y'all hear me? You Remember I told y'all sitting at the table about a month ago that God was going to start doing things in, in multiples. Turned around the very next day and all them storms hit Oregon, Oklahoma, and all, all throughout there, and then just kept going across the United States. And then turned around this week and done the same thing. And I told you it's going to be storms, it's going to be hurricanes, it's going to be earthquakes. And now they done had about seven, eight earthquakes in Ecuador. Had one a month ago and now just one right after the other. Just hitting Ecuador. I ain't talking about aftershocks. I'm talking about earthquakes. God told me it's fixing to happen with hurricanes. He said, I'm angry. He said, I'm fixing to turn my wrath loose on this generation. It ain't going to be just the United States. God fixing to hit this world. Y'all hear me? He fixing to hit this world. And you better quit lying to people and telling them they're fixing to get out of persecution because it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Now, Brother Matter, you better not. Now, Brother Matter, me, you better listen to what I'm telling you. Well, but brother matter, what if you're wrong? But saints of God, what if I'm right? Had you rather be prepared to go through persecution and it not happen? <laughs> or had you rather not be prepared and it hit you because you ain't going to be able to stand I'm trying to teach people by the word and the spirit of God to have a foundation under them. Churches don't teach people to pray. Churches don't teach people to pray. How many churches y'all know that really get in labor with people and teach them to pray? <laughs> There's not many out there. I know a few. 
but I don't know very many. Amen. And somebody put a posted a picture on Facebook, and I was trying to find out when it was. And I know it was 96 or later, but they had a picture of me at Brother Patterson's church. And I had so many people. They had not the new one, but the old one. They had folding chairs set up, set down the aisles for people to seat. It wasn't the first time I went. I think I went in like October of 96. But then I went back several months later. He asked me to come back. And when I did, we had so many people that stand in the back. Couldn't even get them seated. And they had folding chairs up and down the aisles. And they got a picture of me. And I was kneeling down and I was praying for a lady with a short leg. And people were just standing there watching, expecting. Had so many miracles. People was expecting miracles. that You don't see evangelists like that anymore. God fixed this thing in order. Y'all hear me? Oh, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. God fixed set the ministry in order. Because all you got is pastors, evangelists, and teachers. It's about all you got. People ain't getting fed. They ain't getting ministered to. Pastors ain't got no business swapping revivals from one church to the other all the time. It's wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. Evangelist made a meal ticket out of the church. Evangelist need to get out there in the highways and hedges to dig out some souls. Let me tell you something. When I was out there on an evangelistic field, God speak to me, go somewhere. I'd go put my tent up. I didn't know a soul. I didn't have nobody to back me up. Many of my revivals, Sister Cat, I went out there and got in prayer, sought God, walked in grounds all night, sought God and prayed and fasted. God started healing and delivering people. I could start a revival with five or six people and wind up a tent packed out. God healing and delivering, setting people free. You know why? I was being an evangelist. I was doing the work of an evangelist. I was getting in there digging out souls. But what broke my heart is when the meeting closed down, they come in and say, Brother Matter, where do we go to church? We can't find nobody preachers like you. We can't find this fire of deliverance anywhere. Where do we? And most of the time, I wouldn't have one preacher back to meet and one pastor back to meet, Sister Pat. Matter of fact, most of them started a revival against me because they're jealous, didn't want their people out there getting healed and delivered and set free. And I just got tired of fighting it, winning all these souls and digging them out and then having just go off and leave them. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Pastors ain't got no business swapping revivals like they're doing. It ain't right. It ain't right. And evangelists need to learn what an evangelist is, and they need to get out there. Now, in the wintertime, I can understand evangelists may be going to a church or two. Let them get out there and dig out souls. Let them get out there and fight and get some folks saved. Let them get out there where they ain't got a church of 30, 40, 50 people to back them up and give them all. Let them, you'll find out how you true evangelists are. <laughs> Y'all hear me? You'll find out who they are. When I was out there on the evangelistic field, I was one of the few evangelists out there really fighting for souls. About every other preacher out there, he was pastor evangelist. Had a tent out there. I was one of the few full-time tent preaching evangelists that would get out there and labor for souls and fight to get people delivered. I wasn't a pastor, didn't have a church backing me up. I was an evangelist. And I'd done what God called me to do. When God called me to be a pastor, first three or four years, I stayed right there at the church in Fort Payne. I probably wasn't out of the church in Fort Payne three weeks. I probably wasn't out a, a, a week a year. 
Because I stayed right there, and I got them people grounded. I got them settled. I got them established. I got them rooted. So Susie used to drive Friday and Saturday night. We had Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon service. So Susie sometimes drive Friday and Saturday night all the way to Fort Payne. Be in service Friday night, drive back home, come back Saturday night. And we, we'd have five, six, seven, ten if we was lucky. And I fought right there, and I dug them people out till we built that church up, 50, 60, 70 people. I mean, dug it and fought for it. Y'all come. Back when I started preaching over at Victory Hall, y'all come. Good crowd. Good spirit. Praying, folks. Why? Got in there and fought it out. I didn't run off all over the country and have revivals. I stayed and fought it out. Stayed and shepherded the flock. Stayed and guarded the pulpit. Just like I'm doing here. I'm digging, I'm fighting, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm seeking, and I'm guarding this pulpit. I'm guarding this pulpit. You don't know how many wolves try to get in the fort, pulpit in Fort Payne, Alabama. And I let a few in at recommendations of pastors I had confidence in. They, won't, they, wouldn't, they didn't get back in again. Because <laughs> I didn't feel in my spirit let some of them in. Maybe when I don't feel it in my spirit now, they don't get in. <laughs> I've had Brother Michael call me two or three times and said, well, then I, uh-uh. <laughs> no, sir. And I got tickled at him. You know, when I was there, would none of them local preachers come around. Since I've left Brother Michael's there, he said, man, Brother Metter, he said, every time I turn around, he said, some of them local preachers come by to talk to me and see me and fellowship with me. And he said, I even had one or two of them ask me, won't you let me come preach for you? <coughs> he said, I just looked at him and said, Do you know who my pastor is? They said, Yeah. Do you know what my pastor preaches and how he's preached and the word he's brought forth and what he stood for? Well, part of it. I said, Okay, tell me what you're going to preach to these people. Because <laughs> you come in here and just... Try to shout these people. They're going to sit there and look at you and you're going to feel dumb and you're going to walk out that pulpit egg on your face. <laughs> and I just laughed. See, he knows better. Now, if somebody's anointed and dedicated and God spoke to them, that's one thing. We just had Sister Sandra Kennedy come a couple weeks ago. I didn't get to be in the meeting with her. But Sister Sandra Kennedy come and ministered, what, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And preached a word that helped the church. There's something in her. I like her spirit. I like the word she delivers. It's different. A lot of times it's hard and it's straight. And we'll have her here eventually. But she helped the church. She said God spoke to her about coming. That's when you need to let people come. Not put out business cards or put it out on Facebook or send that email. Anybody got an opening for me to come preach? Let me come. You better pray about where you go. You hear me? You better pray about where you go. You better be led by the Spirit of God when you go and what you do. Just just because it's a good church, just because you get along with the people there, you better pray about whether it's the mind of God or not. I always did. Y'all love me. <laughs> Whew. Romans the 11th chapter. And I hope I can teach today. 
that I can enlighten you what God's wanting to do in our lives. And I'll say this. If all y'all think is going to happen, you're going to serve God and then die and go to heaven. Are you going to serve God till the Lord come and catches you out of here? Then you ain't got no determination to fight for anything. You don't. What, what, what you, if you think that you already, that, that everything the Lord's going to do, you already know, and it's already set, that you're just going to serve God and then die and go to heaven, are you going to serve God until he comes snatches you out? What incentive do you have to fight or possess anything? You don't. You don't. The church has no desire to seek God. Oh, man, I'm in a rare moment today. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 11, first verse. I say then as God cast his people, cast away his people, God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God had not cast his, his people, cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace there is a remnant church are y'all hearing me there's a remnant that's holding on to the truth I told my wife the other day, I said, I just wonder how discouraged if ever Noah got working on that ark 120 years. Knowing God had spoke to him and given him a commandment, but yet every day going out there and seemed like doing the same thing, just working on that ark, working on that ark and preaching and trying to warn people and then mocking him and making fun of him and casting his name out as evil and, and making him like he's some kind of sideshow. But the Bible said Noah... The eighth person was a preacher of righteousness. He warned them about their sin, warned them what God had told them. And the more the time went by, the more they mocked him, the more they didn't even know what rain was. They didn't even know what rain was. It had never rained. There was a mist come up like a dew, come up from the ground, watered everything. There was no rain. Water never fell from the heavens. And yet Noah kept warning them, kept telling them, kept warning them, kept trying to get them to repent. Kept, and all they done was make fun of him. How discouraging can that be for 120 years to labor at what God's told you and never one time get discouraged, never one time back up, never one time back away from the promise of God, knowing that your obedience to God could be the saving of your household and anybody else that would listen. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not discouraged today. 
I am not discouraged what God has put in me. Somebody's going to believe it. Somebody's going to lay hold of this kingdom. Somebody's going to believe you can possess the fullness of the Christ. Somebody's going to believe that Jesus the man became the Christ. That he actually become intertwined with the Holy Ghost. And that spiritual DNA come out of him. And he became the Christ. And the Holy Ghost is fixing to come back and inhabit us. It's not just the Spirit of God. It is the Christ. And it is the man combined. Because we got to have the wisdom of man. And the wisdom and knowledge of God combined. That's why it says that this mind. That was in Christ Jesus. Not just Christ. But Christ Jesus. The anointing and the man. Let it be in you. Because it's more than just the Spirit. Did that sink in? <laughs> Jesus became the Christ. Started out as a man, but he became the Christ. Now he's God in the flesh. Can you imagine that? Starting out as a vessel that God created for him to live in. And then becoming God in the flesh. Are y'all hearing me? I remember when I first told my and God first started talking to me about that. And my son is knowledgeable in the Word. But I looked at him one day sitting on the couch with my mama. I said, Jesus became the Christ. His eyes rolled over about three times. And he batted his eyes and looked at me. And he said, uh, uh, okay. Then he started studying him. And then it hit him. Jesus became the Christ. Y'all hear me? He was chosen to be the Christ. But he had to walk it out. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? He had to walk it out. So, Paul's writing here about Elijah. Looked like everybody had quit serving God. Only prophets prophesied was him that sat at Jezebel's table or eat at her groves or was under her care. Finally, God spoke to Elijah. He stood up. God showed himself to be God, and after he did, Elijah took 850 prophets down the book of Kedron. Killed him. 850 of them. And then he run for his life. Jezebel sent him word. If I don't do that much and more to you tomorrow, Elijah took off running. Got out in that wilderness. Sitting under that oak tree. Or that juniper tree. He said, God. He said, I'm on one left. You ever feel like sometimes you're the only one left that believes in righteousness and true holiness and never thinks of mixed up and messed up and fouled up and stirred up? And Elijah sat down there in that big old tree saying, God, they've all, every one of them's backslid. <laughs> they killed thy prophets. They've torn down the altars. And he said, I'm the only one left. It's going to prophesy a straight, pure, clean word of God. And God spoke back to him and said, Boy, let me tell you something. 
He said, I got 7,000. I got a remnant. I got a remnant that ain't bowed their knee to Baal. I got a remnant that ain't kissed his image. I got a remnant. That remnant never came forth. Did you know that? That remnant never came forth. You never did see them 7,000 that God said, I've, I've got a remnant. I've got them reserved. You know why? They're for our day. There's a remnant. There's a remnant out there. Out there all over the world. There's one here, two there, somebody here. Jesus said, I've got sheep of another fold that you know not. He said, i got one or two here. Everywhere I go, no matter where I preach, there's going to be one or two that was hungry for this truth. There'd always be a Susie Timms. There'd always be a Kathy Conrad. There'd always be a Cat and Thomas Quentin. Are you hearing me? There'd always be a Lisa Duffy. There'd always be somebody somewhere. Everywhere I went, that this world sounded out and they heard the difference they felt the power they felt the moving and working of the spirit and it identified to that cry that was down in their soul there always be an Ann Duffy my mother-in-law that cried God there's got to be more there's got to be more your mama knew there's more but she couldn't possess no more because that's all God revealed to her. But what God revealed to her, she possessed. We possessed what God's revealed to us as far as He'd allow us. But now, there's a remnant. Are you hearing me? There's a remnant that's hungry for the truth, that's waiting, that's searching, that's seeking, that's knocking, that's asking, that's saying, God, where are you? Man, when I got in that prayer this morning, the Spirit of God hit me. I started asking, God, where are you? Where are you? Where is your strong right arm? Where's the manifestation of your power? Where is the revealing of the anointing of the Christ? We're being mocked. We're being made fun of. Why did the heathen rage? People imagine vain things, saying to us, Where's your God? Where's your God? He ain't showing himself. Are y'all with me today? Is our God showing himself? Not like he did in the days of the Bible. Not how he come down and answered Elijah by fire. Not like he parted the Red Sea and parted the River of Jordan caused the sun and the moon to stand still. We ain't seeing that kind of a God. We ain't seeing the kind of God where Elijah sat on that mountaintop <laughs> and 50 soldiers come out and said, Hey, boy, king wants to see you. But I said, Really? He said, Yeah, get yourself down here. He just looked up said, As the Lord thy God liveth, as my soul liveth, let fire come down and burn you. Whew! Fifty men, just like that. Second fifty come out there. <laughs> Looked around, seen all them crispy critters on the ground. <laughs> Still didn't face them. Captain of them fifty said, Elijah, king won't see you. <laughs> he said, really? He said, as my soul liveth. And as the Lord thy God liveth, that fire come down from heaven and burn them up. Whoo! 
Another 50. A third man come out there at 50. <laughs> he said, man of God. Please. Contain yourself. Look, man, I'm just doing my job. The king said, come out here and ask you to come. He said, I ain't telling you. He said, well, would you please? Would you please? Don't hear me? And because of that man's humility, God spared him in 50 men's lives because Elijah had that power. Where is that God? Where is that God? Somebody tell me where that God is. Do we have a cloth of any kind? How did the day come he'd be taken away? And he told Elisha, he said, you stay right here. He says, uh-uh. <laughs> he said, as the Lord liveth, that's my soul with it. He said, wherever you go. He said, I'm going with you. You ain't getting out of my sight. You ain't getting out of my sight. So two or three different times, they got different cities. And the Lord told Elisha, he said, stay here. He said, no, man of God, uh-uh. Ain't doing it. He said, as the Lord thy God liveth, that's my soul liveth. I'm going with you. So they got over to, I think it was Jordan, wasn't it? Wasn't it Jordan River? Elijah just walked up there and he just took that cape, took it off his shoulders, just, whew, just like that. Water's parted and they went across on dry ground. And back in the Late 80s and early 90s, I got me a black cape. And I'm going to tell you something. When I put it on, the power of God hit me, and I'd have great miracles. And that's talking about that anointing coming by Sister Kathy. I get ready to minister to a lady in tent Mississippi one night, tilt packed out, people standing. And I had that cape on, Spirit of the Lord hit me, and I just turned. And when I did, I pulled the edge of that cape out. And when I turned back around, three ladies standing behind that lady just hit the ground. <laughs> Power God just blowed by me. She don't know what God's fixing to do. And as they walked on, Elijah said, Tell me what you want. You've served me faithful for 10 years or thereabout. Tell me what you want. Where is this God? This is what my heart's crying for, Sister Where is this God? Ain't nobody searching for this God because they've been taught everything's all right. They've been taught they're fixing to leave here. They've been taught they ain't going through nothing. The Bible says when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction fixing to hit. Sudden destruction fixing to catch this nation. Sudden destruction fixing to catch this world. You look at the mess the leaders of the world has let this nation and the nations of the world get in, how they've let this ISIS grow. Talks in Revelation about people getting beheaded. You ain't heard of nobody getting beheaded in hundreds of years. Till now. Till now. And the Lord told me a couple of years ago about the spirit of the beast. And when Sister Sheila Austin came to Sister Patterson's, 
ladies meeting two or three years ago. She got up and said, the Lord spoke to me about the Spirit getting on people. It's going to be like the spirit of a beast. And I hadn't even talked to her. So it was in the same mind. But the Lord told me this mark of the beast everybody's scared of, about getting a chip in your hand or in your forehead. He said, that, ain't, that, that chip ain't got nothing to do with it. He said, that's a mindset. That's a spirit. And the right hand's power. So there's power of Satan fixing to be in people's right hand and the power's going to be in their mind. They're going to sell out because of the mindset and the spirit's fixing to get a hold of them. Ain't got nothing to do with no chip. And that didn't cost you nothing. <laughs> it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Y'all hear me? And all this thing getting on these people like ISIS that's killing people, no mercy, spirit of the beast. It's the spirit of a beast. Beast don't care who it kills. Men, women, children, no mercy, no, they just kill. Spirit of a beast getting on these people. And we're going to have to face this thing. And if you ain't got something in God in you, <laughs> said, Brother Matter, let me tell you something. God's got me in this anointing today for a reason. God's trying to condition us and God's trying to get us ready. But he told Elijah, he said, if you see me, leave. He said, what is it you want? He said, man, <laughs> he said, what well, I'm fixing to face. He said, I want a double portion. He said, I want a double portion. He said, if you see me leave, you can have it. If you don't see me leave, he said, oh, you ain't going nowhere. He said, I got my eyeballs locked on you. Uh, you take a step, I'm going to step right in your shadow. I'm right there with you. You ain't going nowhere. They walked along. Here come the chariot of God down out of heaven. Parked right there. Elijah turned to Elisha and said, Been nice knowing you, man. God bless you. See you later. Stepped on that chair. <laughs> Gone. And as he went up, he let that mantle drop. Elisha walked over and picked that mantle up. He walked over to Jordan. He said, Where be the Lord God of Elijah? Waters parted. <laughs> he walked across. All the men watching, I think it was from Jericho, stand over watching and said, Oh my God, the spirit of Elijah. Just rest on Elijah. My God, the spirit of the Christ. Just rest on Brother John Metter. The spirit of the Christ. Just rest on Sister Susie Timms. The spirit of the Christ. Just rest on. Brother Thomas Quentin. It's our inheritance. Blows to us. But as long as the church is being taught, ain't nothing going to happen to them. They're going to be snatched out. Ain't nobody going to seek for anything. You can't preach this word and this revelation. Get people hungry for God. So what's fixing to happen? God fixing to raise up a new people. Did I say that out loud? God fixed and raised him up a brand new people. There's a remnant out there. There's a remnant. I believe my son's among that remnant. I believe your son and daughter's among that remnant. I believe your seed's among that remnant. Brother Kevin, I believe your son and daughter's among that remnant. Your grandkids, Sister Pat, they're among that remnant. Because this church has gone as far as it's going to go as a whole. And they're just a remnant. They're just a few of us hanging on, fighting for this truth, believing the reality of God. 
Am I making sense to anybody today? Y'all will go with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. <laughs> y'all better hang with me. But I'm going to tell you something. If y'all study these notes, I won't get to 10% of this today, but if y'all study these notes and really hunger for God and press on God, He'll start opening this to your understanding. Okay. I'm in 1 Thessalonians 4. And I'm going to verse 13. Y'all with me? Is your feet in the stirrups and your seat in the saddle and you got a hold of the reins? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now this right here, them which are asleep, the Lord told me this in 95. I've got a, a, a message, and it's on the website. It's preached in December of 95 called The Mystery of the First Resurrection. Every one of you need to listen to it. It'll help you understand a lot. My mother-in-law wore that cassette tape out. And then found it, and we made a copy of it, put it on CD, and put it on the website. You need to listen to it. Them which are asleep, that's the people that have accepted Jesus, just lived a good life, and died saved. Y'all follow me? Like your mama. She died in a good place in God. Never was persecuted. I mean, like, we know persecution. Done a work for God right here. Died in a good place in God. She's one of those that's asleep in Jesus. Amen. She is. She's asleep in Jesus. Now, won't y'all follow with me? Be not ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if ye believe that Jesus died and rose again, even to them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Y'all still following with me? All right, now. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now, I'm going I I to dwell on two words right here. In verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain. Remain after what? Why is Paul saying he, we, we which are alive, or we which are quickened and remain? What's he talking about? The remnant after the tribulation. We which are alive and remain after tribulation. Brother Matter, that ain't what that means. All right, you tell me what it means. We which are alive and remain. <laughs> if you remain, you're a remnant of something. Make sense? We which are alive and remain. Those of you which are alive and remain. After the tribulation. 
Follow with me. Follow with me. We ain't going to prevent them which are asleep. Now, y'all follow what I'm saying? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. Now, y'all follow what I'm saying? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those that are asleep in Jesus and the dead in Christ are two different people altogether. Y'all with me? The dead in Christ are those. Let me show you who they are. Go to me Revelation, verse 20. I mean chapter 20. Now see, I don't know what the church teaches about the coming of the Lord or about the catching away. All I've ever heard is people say that he's going to come before tribulation and everybody that's living right. And I've even seen pictures where the graves are open, people come up out of the ground. Is that what y'all have seen? Is that what y'all been taught? That at that time everybody's going to go to heaven? See, I don't know. But I had a Baptist deacon I used to work for. He just kept aggravating me and aggravating me. He didn't like the way I believed. And I finally said, Lord, you're going to give me a scripture. It's going to shut him down. He said, I ain't going through nothing. He said, I'm going to get caught out. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Y'all with me in Revelation 20th chapter? Don't y'all get that puzzle look on y'all's face. <laughs> Listen to what I'm preaching. And I, <laughs> well, if y'all don't want to know, if y'all don't want to know, I can preach faith like I did last Sunday. Y'all need to know what's fishing come on you. All right, y'all ready? And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a season, a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them, now listen to this, which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now there's your millennium. Y'all hear me? There's your millennium reign, which is a thousand years. Y'all following me? But the rest of the dead, that means those that are asleep in Jesus, that means the good saints that serve God and love God and just die a natural death. They ain't going to be raised until after the millennium reign, after that thousand years reign that we get to go through with Christ and those that were beheaded. Paul was beheaded. 
There's other great men of God beheaded. There's people fixing to be beheaded for the name of Jesus. We ain't going to receive the mark. We ain't going to receive the name. We're going to be put to death. We're going to be persecuted. At the time that I'm talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4, there is going to be a resurrection of the dead in Christ. The dead in Christ must and shall rise first. That's what the Word says. And then it's right here in Revelation 24. But the rest of the dead, those that are asleep in Jesus, they're not going to live again. They ain't going to get resurrected till after the thousand years reign. So, this thing of Jesus coming in the clouds of glory, catching the church out, and graves of the saints opening, won't hold water. Because they ain't going to live until after the thousand years, this is the first resurrection. When the dead in Christ are raised, this is the first resurrection. Are y'all following with me? The Lord told me in 95, he, I mean, he spoke in my spirit. I heard it, Sister Susie. He said, there's a difference between those that are asleep in Jesus and the dead in Christ. He said, those that are asleep in Jesus are those that, the good saints, like my daddy. My daddy loved God, served God probably close to 60 years, went to sleep. I don't know, was your mama and papa saved as far as they knew? They're sleeping Jesus. There's people everywhere that are sleeping Jesus. They're not going to be part of this first resurrection. Oh my God, I've got y'all now. Y'all are looking at me like I've lost my mind. Am I telling you what the Word says? then don't try to make it fit your church doctrine. Because you'd be trying to put a bunch of round pegs and square holes and it ain't going to fit. <laughs> Those that have given their life for the gospel, like Paul. You know, I used to tell people, I said, man, I'll be so glad when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down and talk to Paul and I'm going to ask him things. And then as God started revealing this, I said, no, I'm going to get up there and Paul's going to come talk to me. He said, Brother Meadow, what does it feel like to have the fullness of Christ? But now Paul's going to be part of this first resurrection. Huh? Other great men of God that gave their lives huh? are going to be part of this first resurrection. Huh? And we're going to put on that power. We're going to put on that dominion and that authority huh? of the fullness of God. Huh? This is our inheritance. Huh? This is our inheritance. This belongs to us. Huh? Are you hearing me? Huh? By God, I might get to stand on L.A.J. Square and preach the gospel with Paul beside me. Huh? Hallelujah. Huh? I, oh my God. Hallelujah. Ain't no telling huh? who I'm going to get to preach with. Huh? Ain't you ever read in your Bible that they're going to come from the east, the north, the west, and the south and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob huh? in the kingdom of God? Huh? God's fixing to raise these good saints. Huh? Many of them that was martyred. Are you hearing me, uh, many that's fixing to give their life uh, going to be beheaded because uh, they wouldn't give in to this mindset and this mark of the beast. They're fixing to be beheaded. Beheading wasn't an issue for th hundreds of years. Now it's an issue again. Are y'all hearing me? It's an issue again. They're cutting Christians' heads off. And people in America are starting to say, uh, where you at, Lord? <laughs> Where you at, Lord? Why ain't you come yet? 
when it starts happening here. When it starts happening here. You, you look at me like I'm crazy if you want to. But I've seen right here in this country. Y'all listening to me? I've seen men driving like a panel van. Cargo van totally enclosed. I've seen them pick out famous people. I've seen them drive right up beside them. Grab them. Put a chop block out. Pull their heads down on that chop block. Cut their heads off back in the van and gone in 30 seconds to a minute. Going to start happening right here in this country. They'll target preachers like me, like others that are they're a threat to them. The big preachers ain't no threat to them. But they're going to get some of these famous people for intimidation and fear. Persecutions fix start happening in this country. Y'all hear me? I saw suicide bombers in a vision start coming in the churches that believe the truth. Start coming in these big churches. Setting the bombs off to make people afraid to serve God and go to church. Persecution's coming. Y'all hear me? Perse- you're going to have to have something. You're going to have to. We don't have what we need to stand against this kind of persecution. Are y'all hearing me? We don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes. Now listen to what I'm telling you. Go back to First Thessalonians with me. Let me get back over there. Go back to 1 Thessalonians 4 with me. Let me find my scripture again. Verse 16. Now, if y'all going to sit here and tell me that y'all believe that Gabriel's going to come down, put one foot on the land, put one foot on the sea, and blow an actual trumpet, and y'all believe that everything's going to be over with in a heartbeat, and y'all going to be caught up to heaven, I'm going to quit preaching right now. That ain't what it's talking about. Let me stop right there. Go with me to Revelation, the 8th chapter. I got all this in these notes as far as God will let me go. I hope I don't get in something God didn't want me to reveal. But you know, I get tired of holding this stuff inside of me and trying to walk around people because they're religion and not offend anybody because of what they've been taught, Brother Kevin. I want people to know the truth. I want people to be prepared. And I have to walk on tiptoes, Sister Pat, to keep from offending people and keep from preaching something that people are going to say, well, that ain't right, that ain't, and then turn the people against what God's wanting to reveal to them to get them ready. I've got to walk under that kind of a load. Just like them preachers that got together and that's going to vote me out of the body of Christ because I preached something contrary to doctrine. Oh, it made them so mad. Some of them confronted you. You told them, you said, better leave my pastor alone. <laughs> Someone started talking about me in front of Sister Susie, and she told him, she said, that's my pastor. You better leave my pastor alone. Because she's always called me her pastor. Everywhere she was, she'll call me her pastor. Before she started coming to church here, she called me her pastor. Because I've taught her. As much as she said under me, she learned. Because she's hungry. Y'all hear me? And I've had to fight to get this word out. Had to fight in Fort Payne to get it out. Had a man down there stand up and tell me, I don't believe what you're preaching. And I said, I know you don't, but I don't really care. Don't really care. Showed himself right in the middle of, supposed to be a, a man that people had confidence in, served God, 
40, 50 years and then stand up just right in the middle of the church and just rail and show himself to be ignorant. And it showed people what he was, what he was made out of. But this word's going to be opposed. But this word is true and it's right. And it's going to get you ready for persecution if you'll listen to me. Y'all with me in Revelation 8 chapter? First verse. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now you listen to what I'm telling you. This is what God spoke to me. He said those are not literal trumpets. They are anointings. And those angels are not heavenly beings. He said they are my messengers. Y'all listen to what I'm telling you? He said, as these trumpets begin to sound, he said, with each anointing, he said, judgment is going to go hand in hand. You read the book of Revelation, every time each trumpet sounded, something happened. He said, with e he said each anointing, he said, it's going to last for a season. I can't tell you how long, but it's going to be the voice of God speaking through his body, speaking through his messengers. It ain't just going to be one messenger. Y'all hear me? But he said each trumpet is an anointing. Each angel is a messenger. Y'all following me? He said with each trumpet, he said the word's going to get straighter and more holy and the judgment's going to get more severe. He said until the time the seventh angel gets ready to sound, he said, I'm going to be judging without mercy. He said, up to that time, he said, I will judge with mercy. He said, but with each anointing, he said, my mercy's going to get less and less and my judgment's going to get more severe. I can't tell you if this has started. All I know is God spoke this to me in 98. I can't tell you if it started. I can't tell you it has. I can't tell you it hadn't. All I can tell you is what God told me. But there's one sign God did give me when he spoke this to me. He said, hurricanes will reach the place in strength, they will go to a Category 10. He said there will be winds of over 300 miles an hour. I'm talking about sustained winds. I ain't talking about gusts. The Lord said they will recategorize hurricanes, and they will grow to a Category 10, and said winds will come two and 300 miles inland with destructive force. You think God ain't angry? God spoke in his word. He said, we'll be under the coastal cities. Did he not? Did he not? When I was in Jasper, Brother Thomas, Sister Cat, I told you I saw that beast rise up out of the sea. And when that Hurricane Sandy hit up there, it come exactly out of the sea and come inland right where I said it would, and it tore things up. I saw it in a vision. I saw it like a monster, and that's what they called it. I saw it like a monster with its hands like this come up out of the sea, and it went straight inland. That's what Hurricane Sandy done. They called it a monster storm. And it done exactly what God said it would do. took the same path I saw it take, and there's fixing to be hurricanes going to reach winds, sustained wind of 300 mile an hour. You say, you crazy. You hide and watch. Brother Matter, ain't nobody going to believe your word. Let's see whose word's standing. That's what I tell my wife. I say, I don't care what people say about me. Let's see who's standing when the smoke clears. 
Let's see who knows the Word of God and preaches the truth and God backs them up when all this comes down. I will stand on what God tells me. When God told me these things fixing to happen, multiples, these tornadoes, these hurricanes, these earthquakes, they're fixing to happen multiples. Y'all better get ready for them. It ain't just going to be one hurricane. It's going to be multiples. It ain't just going to be one earthquake. It's going to be multiples. It ain't just going to be one tornado or blizzard. It's going to be multiples. Get ready for it. i seen diseases hit churches like that big one out there in Houston, Texas. They won't preach nothing. Got them a philosopher for a pastor. And I've seen, I seen sickness and diseases hit these churches. Why about three-fourths of the church? Because of sin that's in the camp. Write it down. I don't care. Somewhere you'll come to me and say, Brother Matter, I doubted you, but I don't doubt you no more. I believe God's with you. Are y'all hearing me? So, these trumpets ain't a literal blowing trumpet. Besides, there ain't nowhere the church sings a song. About Gabriel going down, putting his foot on the land and sea. Blowing the trumpet. Y'all ever heard that? Blow that trumpet, Gabriel. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Y'all heard that song? The Lord said, go down, Gabriel, put your foot on the land and sea. But don't you blow that trumpet here. There ain't no word says it's Gabriel. Ain't no word in Scripture says it's Gabriel. It's just the archangel. Don't say it's Gabriel. No word in the Scriptures that says it's Gabriel. You said the archangel. And you know what the archangel said? Said, the Lord himself descended him with the heaven, with a shout. I'm going to slide this in here on y'all. Me and my wife had a good laugh over this. I studied yesterday. I told her, I said, I just got a revelation. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, it says right there in First Thessalonians 4, in 17, I believe it is, or 16, and the Lord himself would descend with a shout. Now, I ain't going to tell you all who to vote for in an election, but it said the trump of God's coming with him. <laughs> I had y'all on that one. Y'all was... I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> but what I'm... <laughs> I hope I just didn't mess this word up. It's all right to have a good time. I know, sisters, you're sitting on pins and needles. I saw you get your pen out. You know. But that's all right. I'm fixing to pick up where I left off. Now, so I'm back at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. I've just showed you these trumps are not actual trumpets blowing their anointings. Their anointings. Are y'all with me? Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Y'all see that? The dead in Christ shall rise. Rise first. This trump that's going to sound is the seventh trumpet. It's the last trumpet that's going to sound right here. Now, 
I'm going to go on and finish this. Then we which are alive and remain. Alive and remain from what? Tribulation. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Clouds in the scripture is people, children. It's people. It's people. I got five or six scriptures there written down in your notes to show you cloud refers to people. When Jesus ascended up in the cloud in Acts the first chapter, it was the saints of God that rose after his resurrection, opened the graves, and the Bible said they were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. Well, when Jesus ascended, they ascended up with him. He ascended up in a cloud. And the angels said, Why stand ye here, ye men of Galilee? Why stand ye here gazing up to heavens? Is Jesus, have you seen him go? Shall come again in like manner. Who's he going to bring with him? Those that are asleep. Those that ascended up with him. These are coming back with him. Are you hearing me? Those that are asleep in Christ. Not the dead in Christ. Those that are asleep in Christ are coming back with him. He's coming back in a cloud. He went up in a cloud. He's coming back in a cloud. Y'all with me? We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Or meet the Lord in the Spirit. Meet the Lord in the Spirit. We're going to be caught up in the Spirit. Let me show you. you, Can can y'all handle this? Well, quit picking at them, Sister Pat. I want you to tell you things. <laughs> Revelation 12. Y'all with me? Verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. All right, now, this ain't Mary. This is the church. This is the last day church. She is with child, to bring forth the sons of God ministry. she got the mind of Christ to the 12 stars on her head, the moon's under her feet. The sun, if y'all don't know it, gives the moon light. It reflects onto the moon and gives it its light. Are y'all hearing me? So here the church is, got the mind of Christ, and the glory of God is being reflected over onto it through the Christ. Are y'all following with me? Am I giving you too much? All right, stay with me. And she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And he cast them to the earth. That's when the angels fell. Y'all following with me? And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child. She didn't bring forth a little bitty baby. She brought forth a man-child full of power, full of authority, full of dominion. And what does it say happened to that child? She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up unto the throne or unto the throne power or the full dominion of God. The saints of God in First Thessalonians 4 at the sound of the last trump they're going to be caught up into that throne power because Revelation 10 and 7 says and when the last trump shall begin to sound or the last angel shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished which is Christ in you the hope of glory. 
Are y'all eyes going around your head? <laughs> I'm not trying to get complicated. I'm not trying to lose you. I'm not trying to get negative. See, the church has preached this, that church is going to get caught up. No. Church ain't going to get caught up because this is talking about the first resurrection. This ain't talking about them sleeping Jesus. This is talking about the dead in Christ rising. The church teaches that when the rapture takes place, everybody that's asleep and everything goes to heaven. That ain't right. Those that are asleep in Jesus will not be part of the first resurrection. They will be that resurrection that shall happen after the thousand years. And it says, and the rest of the dead live not until after the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On him the second death has no power. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Are y'all with me? Yes. You sure you with me? Yes. You sure you with me? Did y'all get that? Revelation 10 and 7. says, And when the seventh angel shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, which is Christ in you. Or the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of God's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when the seventh angel or the seventh trump begins to sound, which is what's happening in in First Thessalonians 4, we should have put on Christ. Should be finished. Should be completed in us. Amen. Should be completed in us. I don't know if I want to go to this next scripture or not. Y'all ready for one more? Are you sure? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15. Who said, oh, Lord? <laughs> y'all sure y'all can handle this? All right. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You can't buy this. Or you can't sell this. The Bible said buy the truth and sell it. Nah, you ain't got what it takes to buy this in material gain. This is a mystery being revealed to the saints so you'll know what's fixing to happen to those of us that are faithful to God. This chosen seat of God is fixing to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? Has anybody ever heard the scripture that says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Has anybody ever explained it to you to your satisfaction? Verse 45, 1 Corinthians 15. So it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. See, the church is taught that this is when you go to heaven. No, it's not. This is when you possess the kingdom right here. Y'all hear me? Now stay with me. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Y'all following with me? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. At the last trump. As this last angel begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. <laughs> made, up, made up for it, didn't I, Sister Susie? <laughs> made, up for my, I made up for the trump of God moment, didn't I? <laughs> Did it click? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, the dead in Christ, not those that sleep in Jesus, shall be raised incorruptible. Y'all follow me? And we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. See, that's the Christ. Once the fullness of this Spirit comes in you, you can't stay mortal and corruptible because even Jesus couldn't possess it when He was mortal and corruptible. He couldn't possess it. He didn't possess this till after His resurrection. That's why Paul said, I want to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection because this is when he stood before his disciples and said, All power now in heaven and earth is given unto me. Flesh and blood couldn't inherit it. Flesh and blood still won't inherit it. We're going to be changed. This corruption will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. What does it say? Was well, it Second Timothy 1 and 10 that says, And Jesus Christ had brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? See if that ain't what it says, Sister Kathy. I can't remember if it's First Timothy or Second Timothy. First chapter, I believe it's around the tenth verse. What does it say? That is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to life the He's abolished death. In other words, he's conquered it, he's destroyed it. Second Timothy one and ten. You can't have this much scripture come together and be wrong. You just can't do it. Too much coming together. Don't bring another nail on me now. <laughs> Too much scripture coming together. Y'all hear me? This is why the church ain't going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. They ain't going to be ready. They ain't been taught to pray. They ain't been taught to seek God. They ain't been taught they're going through anything. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Is that what the Word says? So as we move into this, and we begin to put on the nature of the Son of Man, which is the ministry Jesus had as He walked this earth, it's going to bring great persecution. It done it to the first church. They begin to put on the life of Jesus. Now y'all follow me. I've tried to explain there's a difference between the Son of Man and the Son of God. Jesus walked this earth as the Son of Man. When he was resurrected, he became the Son of God. We'll say, wasn't he the Son of God while he was here? He was the Son of God by his conception. But he didn't put on the sonship. He didn't get his inheritance. 
Are y'all following me? He didn't get his inheritance till after his resurrection. That's why when he was hanging on that cross, he stretched them hands out and hanging there. He said, it's finished. He said, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Everything from that point was in God's hands. Where his soul went and how he suffered the torments of hell for two days and two nights, was resurrected on the third day, was the first begotten from the dead, was birthed from the spiritual death. Are y'all with me? You can't have this much scripture and be wrong. Can't do it. His soul died. It paid for our sins. You hear me? And he destroyed him that had power of death. Not physical death, spiritual death. That is the devil. He destroyed him. Once he paid for all our sins, the resurrected power of God hit him. And he was reborn. He was birthed. He was brought forth right there in the pits of hell. Took the keys of hell and death right out of Satan's hand. He said, I'm the first begotten from the dead. And the good thing about it, I'm the firstborn among many brethren. <laughs> I'm the firstborn. Many brethren. Fishing to get what I got. <laughs> I'm the firstborn from the dead. I'm the first begotten of the dead. But I'm also the firstborn among many brethren. Because what I've possessed is theirs too. Are y'all with me? Don't back away from this. Don't try to explain this to people. They're going to look at you like you lost your mind. See, I'll have people challenge this with other people. They won't come challenge me. I, I, I started teaching on this. I had one young man. He wouldn't pay no attention to me. He went out and tried to preach this. I had a lady go out and try to preach this. Messed it up. And had religious folks time in knots. I'd be like Jesus. Tell him come to me. <laughs> Tell him come to me. I know what the word says. I know what the word says. So, First Thessalonians ain't just the coming of the Lord to catch the church out. Y'all hear me? And I've just took this one scripture and explained it to you and tied all these others in. I'm gonna keep teaching on this because people need to know. They need to know the truth. Because everything now is a shout, a holler, a hoop, a loud guitar and banging on the drums. And people are calling it the Holy Ghost. They're calling it church. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all hear somebody talk about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost or a great move of God that don't involve music, singing, shouting, talking in tongues, or... Staggering all over the church. So a church will cause a great service and a great move of God. People leave the same way they come in. Might leave a little more tired. <laughs> but don't nothing happen spiritually. When there's a real visitation of the Spirit of God, something's going to go down inside of you. The churches preach the outward manifestation, but they never preach the indwelling of the Christ that changes your your nature. Are y'all following me? 
Don't ask me why God put me on this this morning. I didn't want to go here. I'd studied. I was going to talk about the promise seed, the Isaac and the Ishmael. Because the Ishmael, though they came out of the loins of Abraham, they're not allowed to inherit what the Isaac seed is going to inherit. The Lord said, cast out the bondwoman and the son, for they shall not be heir with the son of the free. God cast them out. You've got to get away from this church doctrine, ain't right? got to get away from it. Yes. Think right, get away from it, stay away from it. Stay away from people don't believe like you believe. Why? The war against you. The war against you. First thing God told Abraham, pack up, get away from your kin, folks. Because <laughs> they're going to fight you. Am I right? People don't understand the truth, don't understand the reality of God, don't understand the revelation of God's Word. They'll fight you over it. They'll fight you over it. Oh, bless Brother Metter's heart. He's such a good man, but he sure is off track and messed up. Let's see. Like I said, wait and see if the smoke clears. I may not know religion. I may not know theology. I may not know church doctrine. But I know what God's taught me. And I know that 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 God's talked to me. And God keeps backing it up. Keeps revealing, manifesting himself. You can tell by the spirit that comes in this place. You can tell by the deliverance. They, and, and just the feeling. Just the feeling of the spirit of God comes in this place sometimes. You can tell God's here. God's not going to keep sanctioning this if it ain't real. Amen. He's not going to keep putting his approval on this. We appreciate the Lord today. Anybody learn something today? How many? How many of y'all learned something today? Good. You got notes. Go study them. Amen. Go study them. Spend your time studying. Sure. Yes, ma'am. And that's prior to the millennium? Yes, ma'am. They going to reign. We're going to rule and reign with Christ with them in that reign. And that occurs, and then after the millennium reign is over, then there's the second resurrection, which are the people out there in the cemetery who died. Yep. Early yep. <laughs> Got it! Because <laughs> it says, and the rest of the dead live not again. Right. So after the thousand years reign, they didn't, they weren't resurrected. They weren't resurrected. Study your Bible. There's two resurrections. There's two resurrections. There's two deaths. Those of us that are blessed to be part of the first resurrection, on us the second death, which is the lake of fire. Don't have no power. Don't have no power. Don't have to worry about it. You make the first resurrection, you home free. <laughs> you home free. Death, hell, and the grave has become subject to you. Or death and hell. Don't say death, hell, and the grave. You said death and hell. Had the keys of hell and death. Had the keys of hell and spiritual death. That's what Jesus brought back. Took the keys of spiritual death 
destroyed him that had power of death, even the devil. That's what it says in Hebrews 2. Destroyed him. That had held people in bondage all their lifetime. They didn't know what was going to happen to their soul. He held them in bondage. But Jesus went and destroyed him, took his power away from him, pulled his teeth. <laughs> took everything away from him. Triumphed over him openly. What Colossians says. Colossians 2 said, made a show, triumphed over him openly. Hallelujah. Man, I think this is worth a good offering. It's good teaching. Amen. And God had just this little group here because he wanted to talk to us today. Don't you appreciate him? Y'all pray for brother and sister elder. They had some problems. They had to get some things worked out. Evidently, their whole septic tank sewage system backed up on them or something, so. I hope they got it all fixed. So, let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, bless it. Sanctify it. Let us hide it in our heart that we sin not against you, Lord. Let us get ready. God, there's things facing us that we need to know. We need to know the word, Master. We need to know what we're grounded and rooted and built on. Jesus, you've abolished death. And you've brought life and immortality. To light through the gospel. The gospel that I believe. The gospel that I preach. You have abolished death. And you have brought life. And immortality to light. Through this gospel. Thank you for this holy gospel master. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And a heart to understand. What the spirit is speaking. In Jesus name. Amen. And I pray y'all get this in your hearts. Because. I ain't writing all this stuff down for something to do. I'm not. I need the offering buckets. Are they up here? Oh, there they are. Please do your best to help us. And if you got something for missions, I brought my mission money. I tell you, our mission account's growing. And we do need your help. I don't know which one's... Okay, that's pastor. And this is church. Now, we found us a trailer. If we can work everything out to get it, and we'll know tomorrow. Uh, got a man that told me several months back he'd loan us the money, but we still got to pay him back. But he's going to loan us the money if it works that way. And he told me he would, and I called him the other day. He said, yeah, call me first of the week, and we're going to get us a trailer put up here where we'll have a place to stay. And I can come up here and harass y'all three or four more days a week. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You'll have my old shoot in the quick, Sister Pat. You'll have to get you a, a good manicurist. But come on right now and honor the Lord. Do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Stand on your feet. Praise God and honor God with your tithe. And if you can help us with an offering, please do. We always need your help, and we always appreciate everything y'all do. God bless you. Love you, man. Hope this thing helps you today. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Did you learn something today, little shepherd? I did, Pastor. Good. I actually understood it, too. Praise God. Go somewhere else and get somebody to feed you like this. Get in the meat of this word. Pastors ain't going to do it. They ain't going to do it. Pastors want people dependent on them.
I don't want you dependent on me. I want you to grow in God. I want you to get strong in the Lord. Judgments of God's fixing to Ezekiel 34, that the Lord spoke to me, Woe be unto you shepherds that feed not the flock. Y'all remember the Lord spoke to me about, what, a month, month and a half ago? said, Woe be unto you shepherds feed not the flock. God fixing to tan some hide, I'm telling you. He fixing to tan some hide. Appreciate you, Sister Susie. So let's do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, when God gives a man a calling and a responsibility, it's up to him to live up that responsibility. And y'all have heard me say this. This was back, y'all know we hunted for church buildings for weeks back in 2013 when I first started working with Brother Thomas, Sister Cat, or 2012. We hunted and hunted, and we was riding out the road out there by Sister Portia's. I started preaching in Sister Portia's, what, two years before I ever went to Victory Hollow? Started preaching in Sister Portia's living room. And we was riding out the road out there, and I felt something set out on me. I mean, thousands of pounds weight. I just felt it set out on me. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, besides this, came on me all the care of all the churches daily. And that's what Paul said. He said, all things I've been through. He said, and on top of that, the care of all the churches. And man, he just sat out on me and told my wife. I said, my God, there was a weight just sat out on me. I can't hardly move. I mean, it just almost crushed me. The Lord knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing, but I've got to put my trust in him. I don't know where we're going, except what that word says. I believe that word. Amen. You love him? You appreciate him? Let's ask God to bless this. Father, bless this offering. God, let it meet every need. Lord, we've got to get that trailer. We've got to get it up here, Lord. There's some things, just small things we need to fix on it, Master. But I thank you that you're working it out. We'll have a place to come and... We can come pray. We can get out in the community. By the leadership of your spirit, we can work, God, to get this word out. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are here today, that's standing with us, God, that's fighting with us. We give you honor and praise and glory. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Get the mic right there, little shepherd, and come dismiss. I love y'all. Appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to so y'all pray because we... If we get this worked out, we're going to try to get our trailer up here by next weekend so we can start getting it fixed up. Because I'm going to tell you, this seven hours on Sunday, getting up at 5 o'clock morning, driving up here, and then turn around and driving back, it's killing me because it's every bit of right at 3 to a little over 3 hours, depending on traffic up here and back. And I ain't 25 no more. And some of the... Some of the things my body's been through, falling off a roof, and then what I went through with my sugar. I mean, sometimes it just wears me slap out. And I'm not, i just been asking God, give us a place. Give us a place. Give us a place. We got a spot about two miles up the road. Lady's got a, a place up there. You know who we're talking about, Sister Pat. It's just about two miles up the road right here. As you go out, uh, you go over the bridge and up. If you look on your right hand side going back out, there's a, a little white house sitting there, and it's got a red sign in the yard blocked out. And uh, you go down that driveway, sits about probably 100, 150 yards back there. Her daughter had a mobile home. 
moved to North Carolina, and we got the spot. Matter of fact, we paid rent on it for about two or three weeks just so we wouldn't lose it till we get a trailer. So we ain't going to be but a couple miles from church. So, y'all better behave yourself because y'all, when I get up here, y'all don't know where I'll turn up. I like will come knock on your door, says Pat, say, supper ready? All right. Call call ahead and see whether I want roast or stew. <laughs> Do you love him? Give the Lord a good clap offer, and I love y'all. Just Kathy. Praise the Lord. I feel like I've been at the smorgasbord. Amen. Just filling up. But it's a wonderful feeling, Brother Thomas. When you hear a word preached and you know it's right, but then it starts to click and you can begin to grab hold of the truth of that word and, and it begins to fall into place. That's, I love it when God does that, especially for my brain. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that I can understand, Sister Susie. Amen. Years and years of being taught, you know, pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture. One way or the other, but we're going for the bad stuff really hits, you know. Didn't even really understood why I believed it other than that's what I was told. Amen. But boy, when you put the word scripture to scripture, line upon line and precept upon precept, and it begins to come together and make sense to you, I'm thankful that God loves us enough to teach us his word. Amen. Glad to be here this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. God, just cause this word to take root, God. Way down on the inside, God. God, let it grow forth unto life on the inside of your children, God. Lord, we're here for your purpose and your pleasure. Use us according to your will, God, to feed this community, God, so that they can see you in the reality of who you are and what you are for them. God, help us to fulfill your call. Teach us, Lord. Show us your ways and your paths, oh God. Create within us clean hearts and renew right spirits, God. Lord, that we can ascend, God, with, with pure hearts, God, and clean hands, Lord. And be everything that you created us to be. We give you praise and honor and glory, God. Bless those, God, that are not with us today and meet those needs, God. Take us and let us be a united force for your kingdom. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.